on our podcast. Uh, tonight is the second week in our Advent series, Outside the Box. Now, we're approaching Christmas. We've, of course, we're all out on Gray Thursday, Black Friday, Dim Saturday, Mob Sunday, Cyber Monday. I'm just making up words now. Mo- is that a word, mob? That's a color, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's good. Gray, black, mob. Okay. And Christmas comes with it a time of presence. Now, I did remind people in the newsletter this week that Jesus technically didn't get his presence till Epiphany. So if you wanted to start a new family tradition, you could wait till Epiphany, which is 12 days after Christmas, to open your presence. See how that, that works out. But I want you to think about presence, and, and maybe you're going to be thinking about uh, growing up. Maybe you're, you're still like this. But how do you approach? I brought my, my present here. We had this last week. Um, for those who are listening online, it's a box that looks like a present. Help them get in the mood, too. How do you treat, how do you deal with presence? Are you just okay with the fact that your loved ones are going to perhaps buy you gifts this Christmas and you leave it at that? You enjoy the expectation? Or do you become present hunters? Furiously scurrying through your house, searching the closets, getting excited? Are you a, a box shaker? Do you like to shake the boxes a little bit when they're under the... Yeah, I see some pointing going on. Are you a... I, I, I couldn't find a good word for it until I thought about it today. Are you a rapper ninja? And so that's, that's the word I'm going with today. Do you ever so expertly hone your skills to just peel back that tape ever so slightly? Unfold the paper... So you can peek in, experience what presents are in store for you. I admit in my youth, I would go present hunting. Eventually, my parents just started hiding the presents in a different location. I believe um, for several years, they just rented a storage unit and locked it down so I could not see it. But wouldn't uh, presence be better if you could accept whatever they were? If you could accept whatever was coming to you, if you could wait and be surprised by what you were given. So tonight we are going to open up acceptance. Last week I challenged you to think outside of the box when it came to Advent. I also reminded you Advent is not only about preparing for the reminder of the story of Christmas to retell that story again on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, but it is also looking forward to Jesus coming again, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Seeing as we're all here this week, I'm assuming that didn't happen since the last week. I don't know for sure, but I believe that probably Christ has not yet come in in the, the time between this week and last week. So, We're waiting. And we wait. And we wait some more. And we wait impatiently, just like we wait for our presence. 
sometimes wishing that it would just come, whether Christmas Day or the second coming. But the thing is about presence as we wait, as we think about it, although I asked this on Wednesday and everybody said they remembered, how many of you remember everything you got last Christmas? How many of your children remember everything they got last Christmas? That's maybe the better question to ask. Because as adults, we don't get as much stuff as we once did. So we wait, hopefully staying alert until Christ comes again. I want to read a couple verses as we talk about expectation, as we talk about acceptance. Uh, The first comes from Peter's letter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Very important verse, uh, often overread, often skipped over. Don't let it escape your notice, dear friends, that with the Lord a single day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a single day. You've probably heard that part of it. But this is even more important. The Lord isn't slow to keep his promise, as some think of slowness. But he is patient towards you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to change their hearts and lives. Now, Peter is writing to those in the early church who were impatient. They were impatiently waiting for the second coming. Why were they impatient? Well, life in the church in those early days was not a cakewalk. It was not easy. We don't do cakewalks anymore. That's an awful expression. Let's have a cake. We're going to do a cakewalk tomorrow. So if you want to know what that looks like, we'll have a cakewalk. It's mostly just walking and then there's cake. For those of you who don't know what that is. But life in the early church was exceptionally difficult. They had to meet in secret. They had to hide their affiliation to Christ. They could be arrested, persecuted, imprisoned, beaten, and even executed. Peter, in fact, was executed, along with several other of the disciples. But Peter reminds them that this waiting isn't about our impatience. It is, in fact, about God's patience. Jesus hasn't come back, has nothing to do with our waiting impatiently. It actually has to do with God's patience. God is never slow to act. God has a plan. The plan will take course. Jesus will come again. But God is patient with us. God is willing to wait so that we can do the work of offering people new life. That's what Peter is saying. God is willing to be patient so that as many people as possible, so that perhaps all people can hear the message of Jesus Christ, can hear this story of Christmas, can experience what many of us have experienced. God is giving us opportunities to reach more and more people, bring more people to Christ, and therefore help as many people experience new life before Judgment Day. So that's all great. It doesn't really affect us right now in this time. We have problems. We have struggles. They're happening today. We need help today. We would like a better world today. If you listen to the news, we're approaching a financial doomsday. Why can't Jesus come back and fix it? We are impatient. 
We really can't wait anymore. So let's look to Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet we often turn to during the time of Advent. And hear these very familiar words, wonderful, life-affirming words. Written by Isaiah, but spoken by God. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare a way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places will be like a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. A voice cries out. Isaiah lived in a difficult time too. He lived, depending on on which Isaiah you're talking about, and that's a different study we don't have time for today. But Isaiah lived in a period of history called the exile when the armies of Babylon came in to the nation of Israel, stormed their cities, they actually sacked Jerusalem, rose Jerusalem to dust and ashes. The temple, which was the place where God was, the ancient temple, this wonderful structure, this magnificent building that King David had proposed and King Solomon, his son, built. Jerusalem was where that temple stood and Babylon destroyed that temple. That temple, that monument, where inside there was a small, small space and behind a very large curtain about three inches thick, there was a golden box. We call it the Ark of the Covenant. And the people of Israel believed God sat enthroned in that place. So when the temple was destroyed, the people were taken from their home, Israel, brought to Babylon, therefore in exile. They were distraught. They were hurt. They were upset. They were growing, understandably, impatient. Where was God now? Was God going to save us? Could God save us? Had Babylon destroyed God? Those were questions they were asking. You can You can read it in the Psalms. You can hear it in the prophets. God spoke to Isaiah and offered these words. Comfort. Comfort my people. God first and foremost offers us comfort even in our worst situations. Even when our patience has run out. But Isaiah also reminds us and reminds the people of Israel Something very, very important. God was not confined ever to a golden box. God was real. God was there with them. God was a present reality in their lives if only they had known. If only they had looked to God. So although we have to wait until Christmas to relive the Nativity story, although we have to wait until Jesus comes again, Christmas already happened over 2,000 years ago. 
And because Christmas happened and Emmanuel, God with us, came, it means God is here with us. God is present to us, and God is available right now in this place. So as we continue to explore waiting and acceptance, I want you to think about when things seem out of control. Things were, uh, things were out of control for the early church. They were living in a dangerous time, living dangerous lives. Their lives were forfeit almost every day. Things were out of control for the people of Israel. They sung, uh, uh, sung songs, the, the lament psalms of the book of Psalms, where they sat by the river and cried, lamenting over their fallen nation. We're going to read here in a moment that things were a little out of control for Mary and Joseph. And sometimes things get out of control for us. So what I want you to discuss now, just for a minute, when something is out of your control, how do you cope with it? Who do you turn to? The right answer is God, but be honest. I'm not looking for the right answer. I'm looking for reality. So spend a few minutes discussing questions around Healer, awesome and 
All right, let's gather back. I hope you can have a lot more discussion, uh, more discussion about the topics we're working on tonight. Encourage you to go out afterwards to get to know each other. The reality about what we're focusing on the next year of our ministry, which is discipleship, is it only happens in community. And I think the best and most wonderful thing about new life is we have an authentic sense of community. And that happens because we are involved in each other's lives and we are involved in our community. And so I continue to encourage that discussion, encourage that fellowship. So let's turn now to the nativity story. We like to talk about Jesus and his birth. And let's focus on Joseph. I love Joseph. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. In fact, he's a character we all know, uh, Joseph, Jesus' father, not Joseph with his Technicolor dream coat. That was a different Joseph. We know him, too, because Donny Osmond played him on stage, so obviously. Honk. Thank you. I've stopped. Interestingly enough, Joseph never says a word in the Bible. He never speaks. We don't really know much about him, but we can use our imaginations. God gave them to us, after all. Joseph, we know, was a simple man of trade. He was a carpenter, and he was ready to settle down with his family and start a family. Uh, I do not believe, like our uh, Roman Catholic brothers and sisters, that he was 98 when he married Mary. Um, that, that is the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, th- there are reasons for that, and we could discuss that in, in, at a different time. Um, but I like to think he was a younger man, and that he wanted to be married. He wanted to marry Mary, which gets confusing. And he worked up the courage to ask Mary to be his wife. You don't have a horn, so just there's only so much horn to be used. He picked out a ring, got down on one knee, and we're using our imagination, proposed, and she said yes. It must have been an exciting time, a time of expectations. Joseph was expecting to start a new family, maybe build a new house, start Joseph and son's carpentry. Right? Sure, we're using our imagination. But all those expectations went out the window when Joseph found out that his bride-to-be was pregnant three months into their engagement. I like to think that she came to him, told him. The angel had come to her and told her this. He probably was speechless, left the room, slammed the door. I know they, most of them didn't have doors that you could slam, but again, imagination. Eventually, he came home and went to sleep. They had curtains, mostly curtains, right? Look up the internet. That's wonderful. We're using our imagination. So this is what happens. comes from the first chapter of Matthew, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph, before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries 
was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as the angel from God commanded and took Mary as his wife. But she didn't have relations with her until she gave birth to a son. Joseph called him Jesus. There's a couple problems with hunting for a present before Christmas. The first problem is if it's something you really want, then you've cheated yourself out of the joy of expectation. My two-year-old would, I'm sure, have liked to open all of the chocolate in his advent calendar this morning. Then he would have lost that expectation, and then he would have been sick. He's already sick, but more so. The second problem is if you don't like what the present is, then you have several weeks to think about how you're going to pretend to be surprised and excited about something you're not very excited about. That's, that's the horn, I guess. <clears throat> guess we're done. <clears throat> Either way, you are pretty much forced to accept what your gift is. But in things that matter, not, not that presents aren't fun, we don't always have to accept what we're given. Let me give you some examples. You have a family gathering at Christmas. Some of you have that, right? And sure enough, that relative shows up. You know, the one who can't shut up about their problems. The one who is always a downer, the one that's just pretty much annoying and most of their problems are their own fault anyway. Given that, do you accept them or avoid them? Another example, you're out shopping for the holidays and you see a homeless father and his son, sign in hand, looking for help. What's your first thought? Are they trying to work the system? Are they going to spend any money you give them on drugs? Do you accept them or do you walk away? Final example, a new family comes to church, but they aren't like us. I realize we're a little more diverse than some congregations, but still. They look different. They're wearing strange clothing. They may speak in an accent that's hard for some of us to understand. They're new to the community in need of some help. Do you accept them? Or ignore them. Joseph had some pretty solid expectations of how his life was going to turn out. Marry the girl, have some children, be a carpenter, die. I, maybe he, there was some cake in there. I don't know. <clears throat> cake makes everything better. That was his expectations. But that all went away when Mary announced that she was pregnant. Here's the thing. He didn't have to accept her. The angel didn't threaten him. The angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Didn't say, if you don't, God's going to get you. And realize this was a dream. Mary had a, 
a substantial physical angel come visit her in person while she was awake. Joseph's just having a dream. He could have just shrugged it off, said, you know, I ate something funny, or I'm just upset. But he chose to accept what the angel said. He chose to accept Mary, which meant being ostracized by most of the people he knew. It eventually would mean they would have to flee to Egypt, live in exile of their own. There's a reason those stories are similar. And maybe most of all, he chose to accept a baby that wasn't his. Waiting is hard. It's very hard. But sometimes we just don't have a choice. What is much, much harder than being forced to wait is making the choice to accept. We have no choice but to wait until Jesus comes again. There's nothing we can do to facilitate that process. Jesus will come when Jesus comes. But we can accept the truth of who Jesus is and work to do his work of making disciples. Work to offer more people salvation. Work to impact our communities. Work to offer new life to all people. So as we approach Christmas, I want you to not think just on what you expect. Remember, we're expecting. What are we expecting? But also, I want you to think about what you need to accept. What is standing in the way of your call to ministry? What's standing in the way of your new life that you just need to accept? What's holding you back from truly following Christ? Truly experiencing new life. I want to leave you tonight with the serenity prayer. Some people think this is an ancient prayer. It's actually a modern prayer was written by a well-read theologian. I have many of his books that are very dry, but interesting. Reinhold, his name is Reinhold. I mean, seriously. And his brother Richard, who, uh, seriously, that's his brother. Both excellent theologians, Reinhold and Richard Niebuhr. Uh, Reinhold developed the Serenity Prayer, uh, wrote it down. It's from the 20th century. You know the beginning. I'd like to read tonight the entire prayer. And I want to leave you with that. Um, if, you, if you don't know the, the first few words uh, by heart, you can Google it. You can look online. I can print off a copy for you. But it's a wonderful prayer to use when things are out of control. God, give me the grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed. Courage to change the things which should not be changed or which should be changed and the wisdom to distinguish one from the other. This is the part you probably don't know. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is. Not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. As we transition to uh, our third part of our worship, our uh, forwarding time, our praise time, 
I want to thank all of you who have uh, filled out estimated giving cards. Um, uh, still plenty of time if you would like to do that. If you need one, I can uh, get one for you. Uh, thank you for your commitment. I do ask you to pray this week. Roscoe is going to talk about and vote on uh, their support for us. They, they have uh, proposed $30,000 of support next year. Uh, that's not guaranteed, so uh, they're going to vote on that at their charge conference this Thursday. I uh, encourage you to pray that that happens. That will make our lives much easier uh, and, and make my life uh, much less focused on fundraising and more focused on the work of making disciples. Also want to invite you to a wonderful spontaneous opportunity that's been well planned. <clears throat> our bishop, the leader of all of the Methodist churches in the Northern Illinois Conference of the United Methodist Church, which is all of the United Methodist Churches north of Interstate 80 in Northern Illinois, which is about 400 or so churches. She, our new bishop, she was just appointed in July. She will be coming here to Rockford to visit. She's been visiting each district. While here in Rockford, she will be visiting the Rockford Rescue Mission. She will be visiting Rosecrans, a wonderful ministry that we uh, have strong roots in. She'll be visiting uh, many uh, places of ministry, and including in her trip is only one church. And that is New Life United Methodist Church. So, as she comes to see this beautiful Hilltop Ministry Center, as she comes to hear about New Life, we are going to have some spontaneous worship happening because sometimes, as you know, as some of you have been here for a while, sometimes we just get together on Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock and worship. It happens, and it will happen this Tuesday at 2 o'clock. So if you would like to just come for... Maybe 30 minutes or an hour of worship. Uh, Todd and Jamie and uh, maybe some other of our band members will be here. I know some of them have jobs. That's yes, weird. But um, I, I do encourage you, if you do have the uh, time to do, I'll send out some mailings too. But uh, if you have the time, you can come meet the bishop uh, and just come for worship and come to show her just a little taste of what this community is like, although it won't be the, the official thing. It can be a taste of what we're like together. And it may start Tuesday worship. Who knows? You know, we'll see how many people show up. Can we get a raise? Depending depending on how much money we get for next year. Honk. Honk. So as we transition now, uh, we will be collecting our tithes and offerings tonight. I just encourage you, uh, give if you feel called, give if you're able. We expect nothing from you, but we do expect a lot for you. Let us join our hearts in prayer. Uniting our hearts as one, Lord, we pray. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come into our world, offering hope to the hopeless offering peace to those who only know suffering, offering joy to those who have never been happy, offering love to those who are desperate for it, and offering Christ to those who are ready for new life. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come into our lives. Bring us a sense of expectation when we believe we know what's in store. Bring us the ability to accept when things seem out of control. Bring us together so that we may truly understand what it means to be a family. Bring us to the point where we can experience your unending grace. 
and bring us closer to Christ in new life each day. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come into our church. Come into this place that we may truly experience your presence. Come into our hearts that we may truly praise your name. Come into our work so that we may be your hands and feet. Come into our community that we may truly be one as you are one. And come into us now that we may live in new life as your body, the church. Amen.